Hi, welcome to another episode of the Visual Storytelling Today podcast. The show is designed for you, the marketer or entrepreneur, who may be looking for more effective ways to connect better with audiences through the exciting world of visual storytelling. We will introduce you to inspiring experts from diverse industries that bring fresh perspectives on how to capture attention, build trust, emotional empathy, and last but not least, drive business results. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. My name is Shlomi Ron. I'm the CEO at the Visual Storytelling Institute, based here in Miami, Florida. And welcome to another episode of Visual Storytelling Today podcast. As you all know, if you're following the news, that one of the countries that got hurt the most badly with this pandemic is Italy. And at its peak on April 20th, Italy had over 100 8,000 active cases. Now, thankfully, it's uh, going down and it's about 83,000. And since uh, I'm kind of a, another part about me is that I'm kind of a Italophile myself. I'm a big fan of Italian cinema. I've been blogging about it and I'm always uh, excited to talk to uh, Italian friends. And one of the things that uh, I'd like to do with this episode is really bring a guest that have a unique perspectives who can really take us on a journey and how they overcome internal emotions, challenges. And that's why I'm super excited to bring an old friend that is no doubt a hero of our times, Dr. Federico Conforto. He's a critical care physician and COVID-19 task force member at the hospital San Camillo in Rome, in Italy. So, so since we are hearing a lot about the hard work of health workers, I uh, wanted to focus in this episode on uh, Dr. Conforto's uh, personal story about his job, uh, practically that places him in the eye of the storm, uh, battling the coronavirus every day uh, uh, at the hospital. A bit about uh, Dr. Conforto, his expertise is over 25 years in airway management, ventilation, infection disease control, antibiotic therapy, therapeutic, therapeutic uh, protocols, research, and lung ultrasound. And if that's not enough, that's an interesting tidbit uh, for you folks that are listening or watching. Uh, conforto in Italian means comfort or solace. So I think that another interesting angle, okay. which is a better fit to describe uh, the life-saving work that Dr. Conforto is doing every day. So with that, welcome to the show, Dr. Conforto. Oh, thank you and good afternoon. Excellent. So I want to start with something, uh, a photo that you shared with me and just kind of uh, get us on a lighter note before we dig uh, much deeper. So you shared with me this uh, picture here. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Uh, can you nice. give us, you know, your story? Why did you pick that? What does it mean to you? A, this picture very, is a very touchy picture that I pick up and it well represents what was the feelings when you know, I treat my patient intensive care coronavirus, a member of the tax force. That's a, remind me like Michelangelo Pitti, yep. so older Michelangelo Pitti. So that's the, how like Jesus Christ in our hands and patients like Jesus Christ in our hands and we try to do our best while yep. he's dying. That's a very touchy moment. That's our mm. feelings. Yeah, I also like, you know, the aspect that some, it's a, it's a mix between a, 
present day uh, outfit, like uh, we see the, the, the clothes and the, and the shoes of uh, the, the physician and against, you know, the classic, uh, you know, painting of the patient. So it's kind of interesting uh, mix there. I, I thought it's really powerful. Yeah, you, yeah, it's very powerful because that is reality. I yep. mean, uh, the most stressful things and make me feel like being another planet is to wear everything, wear the mask, wear gloves yep. and the protocol does infection and be on the moon. So the patient are, need to be isolated. We need to wear all the stuff yep. and follow the pro, pro, uh, policy and procedure and be in the field. It's like a war zone. And, and you, you said the mind like a war mindsets. That's, yeah. that's our yeah no definitely and i want to kind of switch uh, gears and, and just to give people a uh, more uh, information uh, about uh, your background so can you share your backstory how you why you decided to become a physician or a doctor in the first place well uh, i was for curiosity and desire and a love for study uh, my background is from classic high school and we studied greek old greek mm -hmm. philosophy latin Yep. and science so i mean we had uh, sort of background from from a roman empire in some way mm -hmm. one of the short story then you know the, the, the love for science and start uh, start to study anatomy in a high school and chemistry yep. and, and my school is very very was about 500 years old where galileo galileo studied so oh, that's wow. a, a tradition yeah yep. genuine just with school so yep. and then, you know, the love for people and start to, you know, I was interesting about mm -hmm. the, the science. That's why. Got it. Got it. Oh, well, that's cool. So you mentioned earlier, you know, that you practically uh, fighting in a war zone every day as part of your job, right? And, right. and you, here's another, uh, probably a good picture that describes that, right? <laughs> this is your outfit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. That's, that's another touchy touchy picture you got the, the most touchy for me still moved yeah so that's me but with the portrait and uh, 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 english portrait um english uh artist her name is a uh, katie turnbull uh -huh. she is from yeah london and she she made this portrait to say thank you for my job yeah. and that 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 night we came up we show up this portrait was so touching and gave me the strength and, and say, told me it's a sort of science that I was in the right direction. I mean, the yep. support people when I'm in a fighting, uh, when I'm in a war zone is, and, and they, 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 are, they back me. So that's, that's give me a lot of strength and power. Yeah. So I'm going to leave this photo up uh, as we uh, continue talking. So maybe uh, can you describe a, a day in your life, you know, how many hours and, you know, what are kind of the most emotional moments that uh, you come across every day? Yeah. Okay. My day life start in the morning and uh, say goodbye to my wife and my doggy and yep. go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be stopped by police right now because they ask you, you know, they control your movement and then you arrive at the hospital and yep. you have a meeting in the morning and uh -huh. then you know you start to see with patients go around and about the coronavirus patients you know what's the, the priority is to do then you start to vest yourself to wear the gloves to wear the mask with the protocols someone right. will how you do if you do any mistakes and then go, you go to the inside the arena and you start 
and you do your practical uh, procedures, catheters, put the catheters in the heart, or intubation, extubation, antibiotic therapy, tracheotomy, so a lot of surgical procedure, and right. monitoring, hemodynamic monitoring, and, and, and so on. So a shift is, is starting 9, 9 a.m. until what time? 8 p.m. I mean, the shift uh, uh, starts from 8 a.m. until uh, uh, 8 uh, p.m. So 12 oh, wow. shift. Or, or in a night shift. Yeah, you can have a night shift mm -hmm. from 8 p.m. until 8 a.m. Oh, wow. And you have breaks in the middle? No. Well, yes and no. It means, okay, we are... We, I mean, usually if you are busy, you don't have any uh, break in the middle. But uh -huh. because we are two or three in charge, mm -hmm. especially during the daytime, right. we, you know, we accommodate the situation and you have a break, you can eat and then, but if he is busy, like he is, you know, the intensity is quite busy, for, especially for coronavirus, yeah. well, it's not easy to have a break. Yeah. And what would you say, like, uh, are the most emotional moments uh, in your day? Well, the first, I remember, we never forget the first night. So for the first night when I left house, mm -hmm. uh, my, my wife, she, with a doggy, said goodbye to me in distance. And it looked, it sounded to me like, oh, I'm going to war? So I never <laughs> put myself in this position that I can risk my life, my own life, my wife's life, yep. and go to war. So, yeah. and then the first night, then, then you come, you used to do that. So then I arrived in intensive care, was in the night shift, and it was like being a moon. So all the patients were the same in terms of diagnosis, COVID-19, pneumonia, COVID-19, pneumonia, COVID-19, pneumonia. And yeah. I divest myself with all the stuff. So me in another planet, like push another planet and start the war. That's yeah. how I felt. That's yeah. one emotion. And other emotions moment, was to talk with the patient, with the relatives of patients, uh -huh. and give information and feel feel that they they are linked to our words, even the tone of our words, uh -huh. how you say. And then when you communicate the death or their relatives, is is a tragedy. It's ten times the tragedy than when I did when I, when I did work with patient with patients not COVID nineteen. And you also told me that uh, the, all your communication with relatives is all, always uh, through the phone. It's not in person, right? Yes, only by phone. You don't talk personally. The patients, yep. the relatives of the patients, they don't see uh, the patients. No, they are very isolated and they die alone. That's a very touching moment for me. Oh, yeah. So when my person die, they die extremely alone. That's incredible. Yeah, when you told me that, it was like mind-blowing, you know, it's... It's incredible, you know, what this pandemic is doing. Let's uh, move uh, uh, forward a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, seeing both of us now. <laughs> and we talk, we read a lot in the news that uh, about uh, some of the effective therapy strategy, you know, people talk about the vaccine, the plasma, the remdesivir that's uh, just been released. Can you talk a little about, you know, what are ways to treat uh, this pandemic? Right. So uh, since the beginning, I start for protect myself and protect my, my patient. Start yeah. about two months, two and a half months ago, 
the, the scientific paper, JAMA, Lancet, NIH, National Institute of Health, all uh -huh. the guidelines and CDC. So with the doctor, Lucio Imperatore is an astrophysic, we start to calculate the data. So what was the mortality rate? What was the later rate? Yeah. What, the outcome on patients? So I study the phenomenon of these patients. So, and, and the, the therapy. So according to the NIH guidelines, mm -hmm. okay, let's evaluate the, all the therapy we have on the table. So for example, antiviral like hydroxychloroquine or remdesivir, there are insufficient data mm. or against or in favor. Right. And this panel recommend also against the uh, hydroxychloroquine and azotromycin is, is antibiotic for uh, adverse effect uh, uh, or against interferon. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, then there is a, a plasma hyperimmune and that's, it, it has a sense, the plasma hyperimmune, but according to NIH, there are insufficient data against or in favor, as well for inhibitor of LIL6. And just to make people understand clear about plasma, plasma you're referring to the antibodies, right? That uh, recovered well, patients? Plasma is coming, yes. Hyperimmune plasma is old mm -hmm. concepts and yeah. is, is from convalescent patients. So patients be, be sick and recover well. So yeah. you take the plasma antibodies from, from, from these patients. So yeah. mm -hmm. there is, again, and uh, insufficient, insufficient data against or in favor. But I see. this is a scientific panel, right. scientific data. And then there is my impression, scientific impression. Mm -hmm. So we apply most of these protocols and we have some results. I mean, our intensive care results was the same like worldwide, about 40, 50%, um, 40, 50% um, death rate. Right. So for example, New York, on JAMA, uh, on JAMA, you know, that come up that on uh, about 5,000 uh, patients, the death rate intensive care was 80.3, oh, wow. 80%. Ah, yeah, yeah, in New York. So, I mean, but we are an average uh, in, in Italy intensive care death rate, and we apply this kind of protocol. Mm -hmm. But my, my, uh, my, uh, impression about the, what therapy can work is upper immune plasma as i told you so we need more trials in fact in uk right now they're going to apply uh, this this plasma immune system um mm -hmm. therapy uh, on five uh, five thousand patients oh, so wow. after that you yes five thousand patients so after that you can have more, more but i more i read also that uh, you know even a recovered patients could actually get it again yes that's 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 shalomi that's very scientific <laughs> question unfortunately question. i tell you what our time is oh, is fragile and by the same time is very astute mm. is a killer yeah it's very intelligent so mm -hmm. why so because people recovering from infection then the, we can say the virus go and sleep Oh, I see. The virus goes to sleep. Yes, the mm -hmm. virus goes to sleep and then come out after. So we, it's very erratic, uh, bizarre uh, behavior. And wow. first of all, yes. <laughs> Secondly, there are okay. You, I mean, after you have been infected, you can have immune system work for you and you have antibodies, right? Mm -hmm. But then 
there is a, a certain period of time that decline the, 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 the immune system. I mean, they decline the antibodies that you have produced. I see. So you're not immune and protected anymore. And then you can be, got, be reinfected. Again. Yeah. Yes. So, so when we have all this you know, information in front of us and, you know, we read on the news that the vaccine is about 18 months away from now and treatment, you know, we don't know yet when it's going to be found. I mean, what do you see in terms of a solution? Okay. Okay. Good, good question. Very a good point. You make a good point. So first of all, it takes 18, 18 months. Why eighteen months? Because you need to do for you know uh, you need for do a vaccination properly done and uh -huh. in, on, on scientific basis about phase phase one, phase two, phase three trials. After you pass the three phases, you can say it works. Mm -hmm. Okay, but first of all, did they find after almost forty years a vaccination for HIV? No. Yeah. No, the answer is no. And the last trials of HIV was the largest trials failed the, the vaccination vaccine against HIV. Mm -hmm. Another question, uh, do they find uh, a vaccination 20 years ago of SARS? No. Or MERS? No. So, oh, wow. that's, yeah, so. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the point I make it. First of mm -hmm. all, vaccination, vaccine doesn't work for everyone. It's good for prevent, and yep. it's good especially for kickstart your immune system. Yeah, and give the direction to the immune system how to have to be how to work. Yeah, so that's that's how it works. Vaccination. Secondly, uh, how many types of bugs or, or virus or coronavirus we have at the moment? Uh, about eight. Eight. Eight types. Yes, eight types. So. The vaccination maybe can cover two types. I see. Right? Yeah. What about the other six? What about the mutation of RNA? I mean, the genome. genome. You actually raise a good point here. You said a vaccine is actually solving, it's like a preventive medicine that you take and it protects you against, you know, X number of mutations of the virus. But after you get infected, what you really need is not a vaccine, but a, actually a treatment. So what about the yeah, treatment? Perfect, perfect. Okay, for my personal experience mm -hmm. and my knowledge about the treatment, despite NIH guidelines and mm -hmm. SOUB, right? But for example, hydroxychloroquine, when you have a mild symptom, mm -hmm. maybe worse. When, oh, you, when you arrive in intensive care, it's too late. It depends when you catch it. Yeah. yeah. The cytokine storms, we call cytokine storm, it's a storm mm. and hurricane, is already start 20 days before. So no therapy for that. I so, see. I mean, when you have that kind of situation, and when you are in intensive care, I mean, the, the, the rate of successful therapy is about 50%. I see. Wow. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, continue. And one of the things that, uh, you know, we started uh, also seeing in the news is that uh, most countries right now seems to be over the, the spike or getting there. But we see this uh, trend of a lot of countries are uh, starting to consider reopening strategy and loosening up the lockdown uh, restrictions. 
So I know that uh, we talked about uh, the differences in different countries. Uh, you brought up a good point about uh, Sweden that uh, used the herd immunity uh, or uh, the UK that uh, had a, a very less restriction in the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your opinion about the different strategies of Right. Okay, let's talk what means herd immunity. Herd immunity, the real herd immunity you can do by vaccination. Yeah. What means when you do a vaccine, you vaccine the population, uh -huh. you, you per permit, you, you stop the penetration or you reduce the penetration of the virus when you have the vaccination, right? Yeah, so we don't have it. <laughs> right. So, first of all, we don't have it. So, yeah. but. In a in an ideal situation, like for example, in uh, uh, flu, you know, during the winter time, you have you vaccine your population mm -hmm. and you reduce the penetration of the virus, but you still have some cases, right? Right. But not in this case, we don't have vaccinations. So, yeah. Uh, uh, for example, let's talk about UK. Start start to do. Oh, we want the prime minister said. Oh, herd immunity. You know, thanks God they avoid this herd immunity because mm -hmm. they calculate, we calculate also in Italy, if we did uh, herd immunity, maybe at least 250,000 people can die. Oh. To that's, have herd immunity. That's insane. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about numbers in terms of Sweden. Sweden, Sweden is in some way apply the herd immunity. And if you have to control and compare the data, our data today, for example, between mm -hmm. Sweden and Italy, and I have to remind you, Italy is 60 million people and uh, Sweden is 10 million people. But for example, uh, for close case with outcome, uh, Italy, that rate is 23%. Compared to Sweden, that rate is 40. Oh. And uh, they recover. They recovered uh, in Italy 77% and recovered in Sweden in 60. Mm -hmm. That means, okay, the bill that you have to pay as, 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 as yeah. population is higher, it's double. So, I mean, herd immunity works when you have vaccination, not without vaccination. Yeah, and just to kind of clarify, when we say herd immunity is what Sweden did in essence is really focusing strictly on the weakest uh, population like older people that uh, they ask them to stay at home and anybody with that are healthy like the young people uh, everybody were able to go out you know we saw all these uh, tv shows that show them in restaurants having fun so that's pretty much and they hope that basically the the healthy population will uh, eventually absorb the the virus right yeah but don't forget that Young people, I have a young patients can mm -hmm. die. And you As see, well. you know, now the kids they think they were safe. No, they're yeah, not yeah. safe. I mean, most are safe, but you can have Kawasaki syndrome, vasculitis, you know, everywhere. So, yeah, that, that's actually a great segue to uh, my next question, which is about uh, what are the the most troubling uh, misconceptions you coming across? Like you mentioned right now, you know, young people. Uh, what else are you coming across that people are completely understanding uh, things the opposite, maybe like uh, not wearing masks or? Yeah, that's, 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 we are not doing that. I have to say I'm very proud of my country since the beginning, even mm -hmm. with uh, some uncertain, you know, political advice at the beginning, because we were shocked. After yep. China, we were the second with the 
highest rate. Yeah. Uh, the virus, that's what I'm telling you about how astute, how intelligent the virus. Mm -hmm. In some way, I study at the beginning with a sort of obsession mm -hmm. because I want to protect myself, my family, my patient. But now I'm quite fascinated by this virus. Yep. So the, the virus uh, change, uh, change the, the, the RNA structure and mm -hmm. become or more aggressive or less aggressive, less aggressive. In Italy, it was very, very aggressive. But mm -hmm. how to see and to block the chain of transmission, to find the patient zero that we did not find yet. In China, they did not find the patient zero. So right. to see how the patient zero, the virus inside the patient zero, DNA, mm. RNA changed. Yep. And it's different from what is now. Right. So, for example, how, for what I heard and read, the virus now is going down to Africa and come back to Europe. Mm. And how it can be, we don't know how it can be. More aggressive in October or less aggressive? More fragile? I, I know, I don't know. But if that virus is very astute. Let yeah. me show you how it's very astute. That was, I was amazing when I read that. So in a red cell, this red cell carry the oxygen right to the tissues, right to the lung, mm -hmm. heart. Yep. Yep. So the virus is so astute that replace the oxygen with himself mm. and can be carried by the red cell. I see. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's this, when you were telling me all these stories about how sneaky this virus and how it's so hard to really deactivate its impact, it's incredible. Uh, you know, going back to, you know, the simple things that people could do today to protect themselves uh, now that there, are, there is partial reopening, you know, social distancing in public places, wearing masks, gloves. What do you think about all these measures? Yeah, we are in phase two in Italy, and yeah. we are quite obedient. I'm very proud either for my country now, mm -hmm. and we are in an easy phase, and we ease this situation, but we still uh, wear the mask outside, and yeah. we are very strict with that. We wear the mask inside the shop, uh -huh. and so, yeah, we wear them inside the shop, and the gloves, mm -hmm. and we keep uh, the social distancing. So that's yeah. the only measure that can help. And in some way, put flat the curve down. Mm -hmm. So and we start on the fourth of May, uh, May, and it takes uh, 15 days to see if we were diligent enough to put down the curve. I see. Yeah, because they said that we might experience another wave. You know, in, in the fall, that's another. Yeah, can be on, on October, like if you see back to the history, influenza, influenza, mm -hmm. like uh, during 1918, and it, it took about three years to disappear, and mm -hmm. the, it had three waves, and the second was in October, and was the worst. The second wave was the worst, and influenza killed 20 million people. Mm -hmm. uh, this obviously will kill less. We are more, not in terms of treatment, because there is no treatment. I mean, maybe some treatment, uh, but because we are more aware with science, what yep. it's doing. But we, uh, what I say, this is a sort of caress of this right. virus. Right. And train us how to deal with it and how to treat, how to be prepared as a doctor, nurses, health worker, citizen, be trained and mm -hmm. be a war. So right. for 
we, if we, I mean, as Italy, as a country, as a Europe, we continue to to, to apply this, uh, this, you know, measurement, measure, and policy and procedure, we we will have less uh, population infected on on October. Instead, when be worse, if we ease everything, open too much, we'll yeah. not be like and yeah. No, absolutely. One of the things that uh, you told me that was uh, really emotionally moved me was uh, the fact that uh, you work hard to save lives, but at the same time, you need to protect yourself. And this dual uh, aspect of protecting others while you need to protect yourself is quite, you know, incredible. And I was thinking, you know, with all this uh, emotional stress, physical uh, and you know battling uh, the pandemic every day what do you do after work to kind of really relax and give yourself strength well study is not relaxing because you are yep. fixed you are fixed and obsessed with the virus yep. so read yep. the newspaper i don't read so much newspaper i read yep. the public scientific uh, publication yep. and study that's not relaxing but for example uh read some some books or watch some Italian movie, or you know, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, uh, you know, be in contact with some friends, relax yeah. me, and with my wives, it, it, it can relax me. I mean, we talk about arts, I like arts, mm -hmm. make me fly. Even talk with you right now, or whenever my interview on BBC, I will, I mean, make me fly. Yep, yeah, no, I'm sure, definitely. Right, yep, yeah. And, you know, looking to the future, you know, when I think about the timeline of this pandemic, you know, the first part was really a phase was where, you know, it just broke out, you know, early March and we, the entire world was under a lockdown and now we kind of moved to phase two when the numbers are going down and everybody's considering reopening. So this is kind of the middle phase. And once we have a vaccine 18 months from now, we're going to enter a new phase, which is the post-corona. So how do you see that phase looking from your perspective? Okay. First, I hope it will disappear. In my personal opinion, if mm -hmm. we don't find the therapy, the right therapy, yeah. it will disappear by itself. Mm. Right? So, yes, yeah, like influenza, the Spanish influenza disappeared by itself. Mm. Like in some way, the SARS disappeared by itself. So even this virus will, be, will find another reservoir. We say another reservoir, like another animal reservoir. Now we are the reservoir of this virus. I so see. the post-coronavirus, well, we're back. We were back like 1950, <laughs> 1960. <laughs> That's always not too bad. Well, 1950, 1960, and shocked. Like, uh, you know, after the, second, the Third World War, this is sort of the Third World War, and be back and maybe appreciate what you have, mm -hmm. the family value, yep. the, the relationship, and the quality of life in terms of foods. I think the nature and, and, and that I'm Catholic and Christian, God reset up, mm -hmm. reset up all, all humanity because we, we were beyond the edge. That's my personal opinion. But, but do you think nature, nature you... reset up everything? But do you think social distancing, hygiene, and, and you know, after those economic blows uh, to people's jobs, all these must gonna have some impact, I'm thinking. Like if you look at uh, you know, the, the SARS and its impact on Asia, you know, 
even before uh, the corona, you would see people in Japan wearing masks. So I think this is kind of a residue effect. Right. There are two, two points to make out. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> that can be now a habit. Yeah. Be careful, wash your hand 20 times, wear yep. the mask, first yep. of all, because we are shocked. Secondly, yep. don't forget, there are some disease, mental disease out there mm -hmm. uh, we call post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not totally only the healthcare workers, like doctors, nurses, and others, mm -hmm. and, but also the population be locked down. And the scare, because you have scare and fear, you have fear of to die, of the yep. death. So that's, that's conditional lot, mm. the human relationship and the behavior. Got it. Yeah, so we are uh, getting to the end of uh, the show. Uh, before we close, uh, I want to ask you, uh, what would you say uh, are your top three tips uh, for people uh, watching or listening uh, during this reopening period, what they should uh, pay attention the most? Yeah, first of all, I would say rigorism. I mean, mm -hmm. continue to be uh, and follow, uh, follow the rules. Uh -huh. don't, don't put the guard down. Yep. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, that's the two points I do. Don't put the guard down because this is a risky, very risky phase because you relax. When you relax, you do mistakes. So yeah. that's, that's what I'm going to say. No, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Right now we're getting into some sort of a twilight zone. We don't know, you know, how, and we see human behavior is very uh, unpredictable. Some people take it very seriously. Others are really feel like it's back to normal where, when it's, as they say, the new normal. So I want to thank you so much for uh, the fascinating conversation today, Dr. Conforo. I, I had a lot of information I learned from you, and I'm sure everybody uh, listening or watching uh, will appreciate uh, this information, especially you coming from uh, uh, fighting the front line uh, in, uh, in Italy. Uh, so this is a, a fascinating evidence uh, and great story to share with everybody. If uh, people have some questions for you, how they can uh, contact you? Well, by my professional profile is LinkedIn or by email. Uh -huh. uh, I'm more than happy to organize conference call mm -hmm. with them and okay. help. Excellent. Wonderful. I'll leave uh, the information uh, in the show notes so everybody could uh, reach out to Dr. Conforto. And with that, uh, thank you so much uh, again, Dr. Federico Conforto, for your amazing uh, time today and for sharing all these great stories uh, right from the trenches. And see you all in the next time on, on the Visual Storytelling Today Show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shalom. Have a great day. Thank you. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.